Welcome back to the BME Grad Podcast. I am Allie. And I'm Grace. Today, we are joined by Alex Brown. He's a project manager of capital projects at Pfizer in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. He graduated from UNC and NC State's BME program in 2018. On today's episode, we'll talk a bit about his role, the PGS Rotational Development Program, and the impact of COVID-19 on his early career. We have a great episode ahead. Listen in. Thank you for joining us, Alex. Absolutely. Glad to be here. <laughs> a nice UNC shirt represent. <laughs> Always. I get harassed for it at work, though. But <laughs> You got a lot of NC State folks at work. Yeah, a lot of yeah. engineers. There's always going to be a lot of NC State people. And they're <laughs> always going to be hating. <laughs> always. Okay. Um, Allie, you want to go ahead and get started? Yeah. So we, we all think we know what Pfizer does, but Pfizer is a huge company. So um, it'd be good to get a little bit of an idea of the breadth of what Fi Pfizer does, if you don't mind, just to get started. Yeah, definitely. So Pfizer, as you know, is a global company. Um, we make a ton of different products. So I guess just to start at my level, right? So I work at um, a sterile injectables facility. So that means we make medication, uh, it could be anesthetics, uh, anti-infectives, um, all the above. Mostly it'd be hospital products that are like um, generic and you'd find on um, emergency vehicles. So that would be part of what they call global sterile injectables. Now, what that also includes is the Kalamazoo plant, which you guys may be familiar with from the news, because that's where the COVID vaccine, at least in the U.S., is coming from. So that's one example. So then if you go over to the Sanford plant, they belong to the biotech network. So at Sanford, they make um, the several different vaccines. I know they do one for meningitis. Of course, they do the Prevnar vaccine, which is a very, very, um, I guess you could say, um, popular product for Pfizer. Um, a lot of, everyone pretty much gets the Prevnar vaccine. <laughs> what, what is that for? So it's for pneumococcal pneumonia. So it has um, 13 different strains of the bacteria that causes wow. it. Yeah. So a very, very important product. Um, it's actually made over, parts of it are made over to Andover and then sent over to Andover, Massachusetts, sent over to the Sanford site where they pretty much combine it and then fill it there. So then the other thing about um, Sanford is recently they've started expanding to where they're building a gene therapy facility. So this gene therapy facility, and I'll say, you know, if you're a BME grad, great place to get a job. They're definitely hiring all over RTP. It's just blowing up for gene therapy. But pretty much, um, the gene therapy product, they're doing one for Duchenne's muscle dystrophy and the other one's for hemophilia. So both of those are um, what they call trains. So you got train one, which is the hemophilia um, gene therapy product. And then the other one is the um, Duchenne's mus muscular dystrophy. So, you know, it's been pretty much like a huge race between every single pharmaceutical company as to like, who's going to be the first person to market. So, you know, I, I know I have a lot of friends who work over at the Sanford site especially in gene therapy and they're, they're working hard. <laughs> How many Pfizer sites are there across the U S <sighs> ballpark ballpark? 
gosh, I should know this off the top of my head. I think it's like, I want to say like maybe 40-ish. Okay. I was going to guess 50. So that's, that's, that's pretty good estimation. Yeah. And it's like a combination of, um, you know, you'll get giant sites like our site, you know, like, um, and which has like 3000 employees mm -hmm. and then Kalamazoo, which has like 2000 something. And then you'll get, um, sites like Sanford, which are around like 300. And then, uh, I know Rochester, um, Michigan has about maybe a couple hundred. Mm -hmm. So the one thing about Pfizer and, you know, I was going to mention this next is, um, so a lot of the products that we're famous for, you know, like Viagra, um, Lipitor, all those, um, I guess, old portfolio products, we no longer make. So Pfizer's actually started to take the initiative to try to make itself what we call the most uh, premier innovative biopharmaceutical company in the world, right? So what they did is, you know, we've sold off parts of our business. So all of those old generics are now, um, they've been combined with uh, Mylan, which at the time was um, another large generics company. If uh, you're familiar with EpiPen, they make EpiPen. Technically, we also make EpiPen and sell it to them. <laughs> <laughs> so that part of the business got sent directly to Mylan. And then they became the largest pharmaceutical company that's currently largest generics manufacturer that currently exists called Beatrice. And then our consumer business, which um, emergency, Centrum, Chapstick, all of those, um, we sold up to GSK. So right now, Pfizer is primarily invested in making um, heavily research-based, um, a lot of uh, rare disease products. Um, that's why you got the gene therapy. So that's, that's pretty much um, what our... Uh, I guess, product portfolio consists of and where we're trying to go in the future. So I'm curious, why, why is that the focus for the future? Do they have any, anything like a, a layer deeper than wanting to be like on the leading edge? Um, is there, is there a reasoning behind that? Yeah, I think it's just, um, you know, there's, especially with rare disease, it seems like there's just a lot of um, untapped markets that just, you know, people haven't really been working to treat and, you know, Pfizer as big of a company as it is, you know, if we have the research and development ability to like try to find solutions to these problems that people aren't working on, then we should do it. Right. And so do you know when um, they sold off these more generic parts of the business? Was this like last 10 years or was this a while ago? Last, last two to three years. Wow. Okay. So, so that's like a major shift. In, yeah. When I came in, when I started at Pfizer, um, summer 2018, we still had both our generics business or, or uh, old product portfolios and also the uh, consumer products. Mm -hmm. And then literally year by year, we just kept losing more and more businesses. The company kept getting smaller and smaller till it became what you have now, which is the modern Pfizer, which is, you know, focused on research and development and pushing that into innovative products. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'll be excited to see all the things that come out of that. Um, so your current role is project manager of capital projects at Pfizer. Can you give us a brief summary of what your role is and some of your tasks? Like, what does that mean to be a project manager of capital projects? So work, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but um, so as a, a, a project manager at the site, you know, another term would be project engineer or a capital project manager. All of those are pretty much interchangeable to site. They can mean different things to other sites, but at Rocky Mount specifically, you'll get assigned. Um, it could be anywhere from 
half a million to $12 million projects, right? And these are major projects. These are all site upgrades. They could be building brand new facilities, installing new manufacturing equipment on manufacturing lines. Um, and it could, it could even involve bringing new products to the site. You could be involved in that. So where I've kind of um, ended up, and I think a lot of this, you know, has to do with my BME background. <laughs> um, a lot of the classes, you know, with, with uh, Arduino and, you know, doing all the, the circuit and the programming, I think, plus just my own um, background and just programming languages. My boss, when he hired me, he was like, hey, like I, I really wanna start giving you all the automation capital projects. So <laughs> I was like, well, I don't really know that much about automation. I think you're kind of <laughs> confusing the two, but it's fine, I'll do it. So, you know, ever since then I've, I've become an automation guy. So all the new um, innovative automation projects that we're getting at the site go to me. I guess to got, kind of give you an example of one project I've been working on is, um, so we have our uh, solutions tanks, right? Where we mix drug product that we're gonna fill. So a lot of these tanks are really old. Like I'd say maybe <laughs> some of them probably have been there since maybe like the eighties, the we could say that. So, you know, Corsons are so old, you know, it has um, older technology. Some of that's just temperature control technology that just doesn't always help us. <laughs> so one project that, you know, I've been assigned to is they were like, hey, you know, we want to put in like a fully automated temperature control system. Like it'll be able to read the temperature and then also um, go ahead and uh, make automatic adjustments if we start getting out of range. So <laughs> currently knee deep in that right now. I mean, it's a great project. So for the first part, we, we chose to start with one tank primarily because the project budget kind of got approved a little late. <laughs> so we didn't have that much time. So mm -hmm. it was a mad rush. Um, I'd say probably got approved around November and then we were expected to have that tank done by um, December. <laughs> and what software are you, or like what language are you using? So um, with uh, automation projects, so, you know, it's, it's all PLCs, right? Mm -hmm. So pretty much it'll be um, at our site, um, Rockwell, um, so like factory talk, Alan Bradley, all of that stuff. But, you know, at another site, you know, I know a lot of sites, a lot of biotech sites use Delta V. That, that's kind of, yeah. <laughs> see, Grace, not that's what we use. Well, I mean, yep. we use a couple of different, I mostly work in Delta V, but yeah. Keep yeah. Going. yeah. It's funny. It's like, I feel like some people are just like really passionate for Delta V and some people just hate it. <laughs> There's definitely very passionate people. Uh, yeah. For yeah. it, for it. People make careers out of Delta V, but um, absolutely. Don't be discouraged, students. There's almost nothing free on the internet to help you learn it. So, nope. be on the job learning. <laughs> nope. It'll be all very expensive and very proprietary. <laughs> yeah. And for those of us who might not know, what is a capital project? What does that mean? So, a capital project would be um, essentially, like I said, it, it's it's these. Um, very important, but high budget projects. So a capital project would probably be, you know, for, for a company, major company like Pfizer, it'll be, you know, a project that's um, gonna take a significant portion of a site's budget that is noticeable. So, you know, like I mentioned the million dollar range, um, pretty much every year, Pfizer has to allocate to each site a certain capital budget and, you know, one of <laughs> the fun tasks that I get to have is to make sure, you know, 
uh, either, you know, I, I, I meet the budget. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, they give us money. They're like, you need to spend um, as much as, you know, you said you're going to spend. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's fun. But also at the same time, you know, if, if you don't spend enough, then they might, you know, take it away. So is that, so for your role as project manager, is it mostly, you know, keeping contractors or workers on track for the project? Is it mostly reviewing test documents and stuff? What is, what does that kind of balance look like? Yeah, so I'll say, you know, as, as a PM, um, you know, everyone has like different approaches to how they want to like project manage. So I've always, you know, enjoyed being hands-on. So I guess for my role, you know, it could be a mixture of um, some days I'll be working on developing the budget or writing up the uh, capital appropriation request, right? That's going to go route at the site or above site for funding. Or, you know, I'll be <laughs> literally like, in a meeting with engineers trying to plan out how exactly we're going to implement something. And then once the time comes, usually during our shutdown period for us to actually install the equipment, I'll go out, you know, I'll go out there and I'll supervise the construction site, supervise the contractors. But, you know, especially with this uh, temperature control upgrade, we had some issues, right? So I made sure that I was fully gowned up in our solutions area on the floor with automation and with maintenance instrumentation diagnosing the issue and trying to figure out how we're going to fix this. Because, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, especially when you're a project manager, you are the main contact for that project. You're responsible for the success of that project. So at the end of the day, and this is what my boss always says, like he tries to set us up for success because with these projects, you're the one who's accountable at the end of the day. So he always wants us to be successful, which, you know, I really appreciate. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It's nice to have that support system, people rooting mm -hmm. for you kind of a thing. Um, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile that you were in the PGS rotational development program at Pfizer. Can you talk a little bit about what that was and what it was like? Yeah, yeah. So the rotational development program at Pfizer, and this is also something that's changed <laughs> since I've been there. <laughs> So when I started back in July of 2018, you're starting to sound really old, Alex. Everything's you know different now. <laughs> as soon as 2021 hit, I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> what happened? I, <laughs> I was like, I Same. swear, like I just graduated. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, going back to the, the rotational program. Um, so, so, you know, it used to be I guess what, what they referred to as centralized. So it was directly managed by Pfizer corporate at a global level. So pretty much, you know, each site would get a certain number, they'd get a budget set aside to hire rotational program uh, individuals. And then, you know, every site, and usually this was like based upon the size of the site, would get a certain number. So I ended up going to Rocky Mount, <laughs> which, you know, has a significant portion and also the site lead at the time, you know, he wanted to get as many rotational people as possible. <laughs> so he actually added more money onto that budget from the site's own budget. So then my class ended up being like 10 people. <laughs> so pretty much how the rotational program, pretty much how it goes is you have um, a certain number of rotations. So when I was in there, it was four, six month rotations, right? Um, I think currently now with how, so we call it, so, we call it the RTP program now, Rotational Technical Professional. So they do three six-month, or sorry, three eight-month rotations, which I okay. think, you know, is an improvement 
and I'll get into that in a little bit, but so going back to my experience, so I did four or three rotations. First rotation was in um, validation, equipment validation. And I'll say that I'm really, really thankful <laughs> that I got that as my first rotation, mainly because one, I felt that it was a great transition from what I was learning in BME, you know, just thankfully, you know, Devin sneaking in those FDA terminologies and concepts like verification and validation that comes up when you're in the pharmaceutical industry, it's, it's applicable. So, you know, I already have like a, a basic knowledge, but it's kind of like, you know, being in that validation rotation, I got to go to college again. <laughs> so I got a full on education on pretty much what is the foundation of the pharmaceutical and medical device industry, which is validation. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's core terminology too, which is why I'm sure it was so helpful to have as your first one. Absolutely. Yeah. Tons of exposure to manufacturing, tons of exposure to what I would end up being, um, taking a full-time job in, which is project engineering. Um, cause they're going to be the ones leading the new equipment projects. Um, so then, yeah. So great rotation, loved it, had a bunch of, um, projects I got to work on and lead, you know, just being fresh out of college, which was great. Um, so then next rotation was in, um, <laughs> manufacturing over at R2 facility. So it was, <laughs> that, that was a big wake up change of pace. <laughs> I'll say, you know, working in manufacturing, um, especially cause you know, we're 24 seven. So, you know, we got a day shift and a night shift and, you know, we got tons of stuff that's always going on at the time. So the role I was there was a combination of a, uh, supervisor and also like a process engineer. So basically that meant that, you know, <laughs> if there was something that needed to be done, call Alex to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so with that role, I'll say, you know, I always say that's where I kind of um, grew up a little bit just because there's a lot of accountability that I was all of a sudden, you know, being pushed towards. Um, in manufacturing, things don't always go smoothly. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, went wrong that had to be addressed very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I was, <laughs> I was, I was there and I was expected to get it done. I, I, I did cause I had to. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any good slip up stories? I mean, I have a bunch from my first oh my gosh. <laughs> six months of accountability experience, but do you have any good ones? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I do. Oh my gosh. So yeah, like I, <laughs> like I was saying in this um, manufacturing rotation, literally, and this is like, okay. So I had a meeting with like all these like big people at the site and like above site, you know, we were all trying to like work on this problem at this facility. Right. So I had been tasked with like working as like a process engineer to like go into the, the problem area and get some samples. So these were all samples coming from our manufacturing line. Right. So they would mm -hmm. fill the samples and then I was supposed to collect it. And it's funny cause I was also with my uh, former roommate at the time. Um, cause he worked at the plant as well. So we were in there just collecting and we had like this big, um, I guess, uh, container that we were supposed to put them in. So we also had these smaller containers. And I mm -hmm. thought that, you know, it was supposed to be, oh, you're supposed to put in the smaller container and then dump it into the big container. So what we ended up doing was dumping all the samples into the big container. And then I remember, <laughs> I remember <laughs> that um, I had told uh, the lead supervisor, I was like, hey, you know, we, we finished. 
and then she was like where are all the samples i was like they're, they're all in here she was like you poured them all into the main container i was like yeah isn't that what we're supposed to do she's like no oh no (laughs) and then then my my boss the director of uh the the facility called me he was like um so so you poured all the samples into into one container i was like yeah i did you weren't supposed to do that no you weren't so they we pretty much had to go back in and like redo it all i mean it was it was fine you know it worked out in the end but still to this day and, and pretty much for the rest of that rotation he literally just roasted me yeah <laughs> he would just he would just like say some some um some uh you know sneaky like hey you know you know you just over there just just pour more samples away <laughs> <laughs> well that's good they were able to like handle it with humor there was no like yeah. uh there was no like feedback type of thing that had to go down no okay. i mean that's good i mean it was a very stressful situation and you know yeah. everyone was just trying to make the best of it so yeah. it, it, it was a it's okay to make mistakes you know yeah that's great that's a good story yeah. well i feel like there's also like there's heightened like stress and and carefulness around the manufacturing thing because it's like these are drugs that go into people like you know we have to be really careful and so they when a slip up happens bloodstream exactly and you're like you're any like mistake right out of your heart like drops you're like oh my god i ruined this product or ruined this batch or whatever so i'm glad that it was a sample dumping and not yeah, a contamination not or anything <laughs> oh yeah exactly exactly and Definitely. that happens a lot it happens a lot <laughs> a lot of uh yeah contaminations get like drain the tanks reclean it start all over mm-hmm. whole mm-hmm. nine whole nine yards aseptic aseptic uh processing is not a joke <laughs> mm-hmm. very very stringent rules <laughs> yeah so out of that rotational program, is that how you found your current role? Was this like your last rotation that you stayed in, um, you know, after the six months or did you get to choose it outside of your rotation? So, yeah. So, I mean, project engineering, I never actually did a rotation in, but I, you know, I was always familiar with what they did. So kind of what I have always said on why I ended up in project engineering. So one common rotation or sorry, one common theme that I kind of like felt that, you know, I was kind of like learning about myself and like what I wanted to do was project management. So every single rotation I had, you know, I was working as a project manager in one way or another. So when you're in validation, you're a validation project manager, uh, you know, you manage all the action items for the change control and you're responsible for seeing the validation execution from beginning to end. And then when I went over to manufacturing, um, you know, you're responsible for all the continuous improvement stuff that has to go on in the facility. So you're the one who's um, responsible for, you know, making sure that things are actually getting better <laughs> each day. So we are working towards, you know, being more efficient in manufacturing. But then what really, you know, kind of drove me was, I want to say my third rotation. So my third rotation and what would also be my final rotation in the program was I was a program manager um, for investigations, I guess, organization of the site. So people call it quality. Um, some people said it was like, you know, project man, project engineering but it was like a mixture of all of that <laughs> it wasn't like project engineering like I'm doing now it was more like straight project management or programming what, what kind of things would you do in that last role right so pretty much it was a lot of I so I reported to the site investigations lead which was kind of a misnomer because he's not actually over the investigations department but he's like a role that above site like created at like all the different sites to work on making improvements to the investigations program at each site. So um, pretty much my role was to do a lot of data analytics, 
on like things like investigation, um, turnover rate, top repeating investigations that we're having and doing all that tracking. But most of it was working on a detailed strategy on how we're going to make, um, make, uh, well, improve the investigations program, make it easier for the investigators to do their job. And uh, pretty much that was a struggle. Because, <laughs> you know, it, it became like apparent that like a lot of these investigators, you know, didn't really have the support or help that they needed, mm-hmm. or the tools. So one of the things I did was, you know, I, I pretty much worked on, hey, like, we're going to make these trainings, we're going to make these guys, we're going to like, you know, make sure that all these people who are coming in, because, you know, a lot of the times these um, investigators, which part of it's good, because, you know, they do have the manufacturing experience, but they're, they're, they're like operators who are just coming like straight off of the production floor, right? So now they have to like kind of change their mindset to, okay, I'm no longer making product. I got to investigate other colleagues and like situations as to why, or in the equipment as to why um, a certain batch got contaminated or had a problem. So pretty much with that, being able to get that big picture overview kind of project management experience where I'm not just uh, managing a single project or a single task, but like multiple tasks that all are going to work together to get a common goal, which was improving the entire investigations program. So pretty much it was from that, that I was kind of like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And that's actually like kind of, I almost really wanted to get a job (laughs) in the rotation that I was in. Um, One problem, and I think probably it could have happened it's just kind of like, you know, there, there weren't a lot of people in the department. <laughs> it was really just uh, myself, my boss, um, and, and like two other people. <laughs> what? Um, so, okay. So you started in the rotational program. You went through a couple of rotations. You're in your current role now. What were some of the benefits of going through that rotational program? Did you, you know, get to see anything in particular that you wouldn't have gotten to see as a, if you had started as a full-time employee in a full-time role? Yeah. So I'll definitely say that with the rotational program, if you're someone who like, you're not sure what you want to do, but you know, at least, you know, you kind of, you're interested in the pharmaceutical industry also applies outside the pharmaceutical industry. I guess, whatever industry you work in, if you get into a rotational program, um, just the fact that you get to go to different departments and you get to not only see what that department does, but also it'll give you exposure to different departments that interact with that department. So overall you get just a full idea of what's going on. And I'll say, especially at Rocky Mountain, just the fact that we're so large, we have so many different departments, there's just so many different opportunities for you, things for you to do. But um, I guess the other real benefit, and I've, I've noticed this just, you know, coming into my current role is that literally by going to different departments, you kind of, first of all, you gain different skill sets that then, you know, kind of make you almost incredibly priceless <laughs> when it comes to like when they want to hire you, because literally you have validation experience, you have manufacturing experience, process engineering experience, but also you make connections with people and each department. So it's like, everyone knows who you are already. Another part with the rotational program and yeah, this may be a Pfizer. I feel like it's probably at most sites, but you get a lot of exposure because it's like a leadership development program. So you get a lot of face time with site leadership. They kind of put you in a position to like have a, a, a fast, uh, I guess, career movement, career growth. <laughs> right, they're I, kind I, of fast tracking you. 
exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think for people who go straight into like a, a entry level role, I mean, that's perfectly great too. Um, you're going to get tons of experience from that, but also with the rotational development program, it just kind of just makes it easier to make you more uh, diverse in terms of your skills. So that just makes it easier for people to hire you when you look for a full-time job. I want to add on to your answer only because I'm currently in a rotational program and I kind of want to see if this, this crossed your path too. Um, I feel like you really learn how to influence without authority in these types of programs because they kind of put you in charge of a project you're leading, you're pulling together a team of really experienced people, but you are like, I just graduated and I'm leading this project. And they're like, Oh God, please don't mess it up. So trying to pull people together and get them to do what you need them to do without any real authority or experience. I don't know if you had, you were put in those situations. I'm guessing you were by what you described. Every single rotation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, every single rotation. Yeah. Especially, you know, being fresh out of college, mm-hmm. they're going to just say, Hey, we got a project, but you need to work with all of these people, all of these people who've been working at the plant for, you know, like 20, 30 plus years have tons of experience. And, you know, you're just thinking in your head, like, why would they listen to me? I'm just a young kid who knows nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty much, if you just go into it um, from a perspective of, you know, I'm also here to learn, but I'm also here to get the job done, they'll be open to you. So it, it, it really, you know, never was really like an issue, but that was definitely something that was always on my mind. Yeah, that imposter syndrome a little bit. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I still, I still get that now. I mean, and, and right now I have like actual like Pfizer direct reports <laughs> that are like dotted line to me and like Workday. Oh, interesting. <laughs> who are, who are much older than me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. How so, many yeah. direct reports do you have? So Pfizer direct reports, I have two contractors. <laughs> A good bit. <laughs> and it I, I like, like 30 plus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear that Pfizer is like contractor heavy for the automation roles, which is interesting given how expensive automation contractors can be. <laughs> but yeah. that's cool. That I mean, it, it kind of helps if there's like, there's less pressure for a contractor direct report. So it's kind of a nice mixture of having both of them. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I my direct reports, you know, I have a good relationship with all of them. You know, they're all um, very hardworking. We all just respect each other. So <laughs> good, good work relationship. Did you have direct reports as soon as you started outside the program? Yep. Nice. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yep. Yeah. When you go into project engineering, um, you, you kind of have to. <laughs> yeah. For folks on this call, uh, direct reports is somebody that you manage directly. So like, um, you do their performance evaluation at the end of the year, you're responsible for what they're working on day to day, like kind of doling that out. Um, whereas like when you manage a project team, those people don't directly report to you, but they're helping like you, you kind of uh, delegate within that project, but you don't delegate their whole workday. I yep. don't know if that's clear. <laughs> so like they'll, they'll still be responsible to the tasks that their manager, their direct report manager will give them. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those tasks will be, hey, you need to work on this project and you need to check in with the PM. So, you know, you kind of do have two bosses, but <laughs> one's your actual boss. Yeah, but that's interesting because you're you stepped right out of your training program into managing people directly. Like, and that come, there's like a a half of that is all personal stuff too. Just knowing how to like 
yeah a lot soft of soft skills. skills yeah because i just recently like completed um i guess the first performance reviews that i've ever done for my dark mm-hmm. reports and i was just thinking like oh i was like <laughs> i mean because it's like i guess you know i, I i'm still kind of like a softy a little bit yeah I mean, it's not like I was going to write a bad review. I wrote great reviews for both of them, but I'm just thinking like, you know, I don't even feel right doing this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it especially just feels if like there's I'm, like an age. Yeah. It's like, it I feel too. like I'm being judgmental. It's like, yeah, performance reviews and like those actually like, you know, determine stuff like bonuses and all that. I'm like, uh. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what, why do I yield this power? <laughs> why do I yield this power? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's well, it's because you're so humble. So. I'm sure it's, it's hard for for you. (laughs) So uh, while we're talking about like skills from your rotational program, what skill sets um, in your current role do you use every day that make you really good at your role? Anything that overlaps with what you took from the BME program? I'll say kind of the soft skills and this kind of want to say the soft skills that I gained just from being in BME Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, it is a major that is focused on doing things that involve patients, you already kind of have that patient-focused mindset, that people-focused mindset. Pretty much you can't be a PM without soft skills. It doesn't work. You won't be able to do anything Um, because I literally have to communicate um, every single day about statuses and communicate with people about what they need to do. So like right now we're, we're, we're doing like a big initiative, pretty much, you know, I, I've had to set up daily meetings to work on it, but this is like daily meetings with like everyone at the site, <laughs> pretty much in engineering. Mm-hmm. So like all the engineering managers, because I got to tell them, Hey, we're doing this. Everyone in your department needs to do this by this time. And we have like a strict deadline. Cause we got to get this done by March 1st, <laughs> pretty much. Um, I'll say with that, and, and one reason why I was late to this, so I had a 5.30 meeting, right? So that's the meeting with all the like big regional VPs, right? And like site quality leads, and they're looking for like a, a, a good understanding of what the current status is. And it'll just be like the middle of the meeting. And all of a sudden they'll just like, hey, Alex, can you share the current status of like what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I have to pull up the presentation. <laughs> step through but you can't just like step through you got to explain exactly what's going on um that way you know not only because um so they i guess would 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 ask questions but you want them to ask questions because you want people to have a discussion that way you can make sure things that could be going wrong are actually going to be brought up so they can be addressed before they become a real problem Mm. i recently was um on the interview panel for uh, the RTP program at Rocky Mount. So we interviewed, you know, candidates, um, like the um, people on the call, (laughs) you know, similar age who are, you know, graduating college who are, you know, looking to come into the rotational program. One thing, you know, I remember when we had the meeting to like just discuss the candidates we interviewed and like what we had liked and what we didn't like and all that soft skills came up again and again and again. Like this person had really great soft skills. Like that's really rare. Like that's something that is critical, especially here at this site, as large as it is, is to have those soft skills that allow you to be an effective communicator in what can often be like a high, uh, an intense, high stress environment. So what are some future moves for the role that you're currently in? Does it typically continue on this way? Or, you know, obviously there's promotions and stuff. What's, what's the kind of future moves for you? Or yeah, for like what's the role? five-year progression, I guess. It's like, what, what are the next ladder steps for, if you stayed on the track you're on? 
Yeah. So well, if I stayed where I am, I, so in, in with Pfizer, you'll do a lot of interfacing with uh, global engineering, which is um, they oversee, <laughs> they're, they're, they provide, it's like a dual role. They provide support for all the different initiatives at the site from a global perspective, from a center function, but also they <laughs> oversee a lot of things too. <laughs> I'd say for myself, being a, being a PM, like I really enjoy being a PM. Like I love being project manager. I love managing projects. So in the role that I'm currently in, you could, I guess a year from now, I could be promoted to being a senior project engineer, right? That would be like the next step. And then maybe like two years after that, um, a global role, just be working from a center function, but not responsible for just the Rocky Mount site. But let's say I'm now responsible for um, the Rocky Mount site, the McPherson site in Kansas, the Kalamazoo site in Michigan. Once you get to that role, you're, you're serving as a, um, an SME. And for those that don't know what that is, that's a subject matter expert. So that's someone who's really knowledgeable in um, a certain field and they're, they're relied upon um, by both the company and their colleagues for their, their um, knowledge and expertise. Yeah. So. I mean, that's such a vast trajectory to be at a subject matter expert type of level within five years. That's crazy. That is. And also like fast track that you already have direct reports. I yeah. mean, you graduated in 2018. It's February, 2021. Like that's fast to have direct reports already, which, you know, is great. It's, I think it speaks volumes to like your capabilities and everything, but that's very fast. And how much they believe in their rotational program developing yeah, leaders. That too. Yeah, yeah. Pfizer has a very strong rotational program. Um, and, and I'll say it's strong now. So yeah, the other thing is that, yeah, so the Pfizer rotational program is no longer managed from a center function. So what they did was they gave, I guess, the, the rotational program back to the sites. So each site now has their own rotational program, mm -hmm. but not only the sites, but like uh, center functions such as like uh, gene therapy has their own rotational program. So you can become a gene therapy rotational associate, or you could go to global technology and engineering. Um, they also have one as well. So it, it's, it's a, it's an interesting thing, but from um, they now have a PGS internship program that is center-based and is directly managed by the center function. And I think that's actually a really great thing because what they've done with that is they, especially with COVID, um, a lot of these interns were kind of stuck being remote, but, you know, they still kind of, they did their best to try to make it like a community feel where they had daily meetings with in other interns from all over the globe. So you're not only like experiencing your internship, but you're also learning about the internship from people just like you all over the globe working at Pfizer sites. Um, and then on top of that, they also did tons of mentoring where, um, you know, you could be matched up with someone who else who um, is just a higher level up in Pfizer, but also giving you like exposure to upper management, not only just at the local level at a site, but also at the uh, above site level. We have another uh, submitted question from a student. What are opportunities at Pfizer that you're excited about for the next two to three years? You know, I probably would have like had a completely different answer before 2020. <laughs> Fair enough. Because <laughs> right now I'll say the most exciting thing right now is, you know, that we're actually going to get to play a direct role in helping to make the Pfizer vaccine, right? So we're, we're ramping up, they're ramping up production 
all over global sterile injectables, but also like in the biotech network, we are pushing. It, it is breakneck speed. And you know, they're, they're giving us like, you know, saying like, you need to have like 7 million units <laughs> put out. And that needs to go all the way over here to Kalamazoo. And then they're going to make that into a product and then we're going to try to release it. So it, it's been, it's been interesting, but I'll say at, at Rocky Mount, <laughs> we, we've literally gone through an extreme, like transformative, um, I guess, experience. We've had this long-term multiple year project to build a brand new facility at our site. So the R3 facility. And like, there's been a lot of growing pains. There's been a lot of issues. Bringing up a, a whole new, especially sterile injectable facility with five new manufacturing lines is hard. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah, it, and it's going to come with a lot of um, a lot of a lot of just random things that can happen that you can't predict that throw the whole schedule off. But it's finally gotten to the point where they're actually about to go clean for the first time in, in March in next month. So they're going to actually start manufacturing product. Uh, now with, with FDA rules, it's not going to be able to go to market because it has to sit on uh, what they call stability. That means like at least, you know, in the next couple of years, we'll have that facility fully up and running. And that's really what the site's kind of embedding on is like, that's our future right there. You know, with these highly automated um, filling lines, there's just a ton of stuff going on. That's awesome. So we have one last question and it's a little, it's a current events question, which I'm sure you know what it's going to be. Um, Pfizer's been in the news a lot lately regarding the COVID-19 vaccine trials and distribution. How has this affected your work and your day-to-day? So I'll say like even going back to, um, I want to say like probably around April, right when COVID, like, you know, everyone started realizing like, hey, this is not a joke. Like this isn't going away anytime soon. We are going to be locked down. So pretty much I remember the state of New York, right? Pretty much everyone remembers, you know, New York City, how bad they had it, you know, so bad that uh, they had to bring in, um, um, gosh, I can't remember the ship's name, but they brought in the ship that, um, you know, had the, they had the hospital beds on it. And pretty Mm -hmm. much they were running out of all of the medications that you would use for patients in the hospital. your, your Ketorolax, morphines and fentanyls, all of those things that um, COVID patients needed because they either needed something that could open up their airway or they needed something to like just sedate the pain that they were in just from, you know, their lungs having the, the infection. So the, the mayor of New York, and this has happened before, gave a um, personal call to our director of supply chain at our site saying, hey, like, we, we need you guys to, like, supply this amount to the site if you can. Can you guys, like, step up and, like, be able to do that? And sure enough, we did it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, when the mayor of New York calls, you can't really say no. <laughs> and that was, like, one really proud moment is when they said, like, hey, like, the Pfizer Rocky Mount site actually really pushed to make sure that that these people, like, in New York had the medication they needed to help them. So yeah, <laughs> that, that was just the beginning is just, just getting those personal calls on our site to like, hey, you know, we, we specifically need you all to um, get it done. Yeah, I think that's really, I think, I mean, for anybody, but especially like someone so young in their career, I think it's so 
it's so exciting to be a part of something so big and like for so many people, you know, it's, it's widespread. Um, well, unfortunately it's widespread, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, you're, you're, it's, it's so cool to see someone three years out from graduation, making such a direct impact on patients, saving lives, saving lives, literally. So I think that's, it's super cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this hour. I know it was tight between your 5.30 meeting and uh, getting here. And my hour. (laughs) (laughs) That Rocky Mountain site is far. It is far. (laughs) far. But we really appreciate you making it um, and taking the time to chat with us. I think we all learned a little bit more about Pfizer, its rotational programs, what it means to be a project manager, what it's like to have direct reports and everything. Thank you so much. And, And it was really great catching up with you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is really great. The BME Grad Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For more information on the BME Grad Podcast, visit bme.unc.edu. Right now, you can find that information under the News and Events tab. If you can, please subscribe or follow and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.